Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. podcast is intended for entertainment and opinion. Nothing discussed is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please call 988 or use the resources listed in the episode description. To see the sources and other resources mentioned in this episode, you can visit psychologicallymindedpod.com. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming topics, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. And finally, please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes as they post. Enjoy this episode! Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. I'm your host, Grace Fowler, and today is another mini-episode on an infamous experiment in psychology. I am talking about the Bobo doll experiment that was done by Albert Bandura, who was the kind of preeminent social psychologist who came up with the theory of social learning. And the Bobo doll experiment is one of Bandura's most enduring contributions to the field and was part of how he demonstrated the way in which social learning um, takes place in how children learn aggressive behavior through models. So I'm just going to review the experiment real quick and then talk a little bit about the limitations to the experiment and what it has to do with the social learning theory, which is one of probably the most enduring theories in social psychology and has not been like debunked. So some of this stuff is still very relevant. So let's go ahead and just jump into the experiment. So the Bobo Dell experiment was done at Stanford because that is where Bandura was teaching. He recruited 36 boys and 36 girls from the Stanford University University Nursery School, and the kids were between like three to six years old. It's actually very similar to the uh, age range of children in the doll study that I did last month, uh, two doll studies, <laughs> different types of working with dolls, but this kind of like early school age, childhood uh, age group to see the impact of, of these types of models on how the children behave. Um, each child was indiv- individually assessed to kind of set the baseline for aggressive behavior because they, they wanted to essentially rule out that these weren't just like already aggressive children or children who were more prone to play with toys in an aggressive manner. So they uh, kind of took this baseline observation and then they split the children up into Um, three groups of 24. So 24 of the kids saw an adult in a, 
they observed an adult in a room full of toys, including a toy that was called a Bobo doll, which was a doll that looked like a clown. And it was one of those dolls where you could like knock it and it would bounce back up. So they would watch the adult in this room and the adult would like hit and punch and slap the Bobo doll as some were verbally aggressive to the doll. Basically, they were just watching an adult like model this aggressive behavior. The other group of 24 children watched an adult just kind of play nicely with the Bobo doll. No hitting, no punching. Um, I believe they actually had the adult just ignore the Bobo doll and just kind of play with the other toys in the room as expected. And then 24 of the children didn't see any adult model. So that was the control group. So already, if you've listened to my other experiment episodes, you'll notice that this is uh, quite an improvement (laughs) across the, the other famous experiments. Like that there's actually a control group to kind of compare, is it even have anything to do with the presence of the adult model? So Bandura study is already a little more rigorous than some of his contemporaries at this time. Um, so again, they, they saw these, either they saw an aggressive model, a non-aggressive model, or they didn't see any adult model. Um, then they took each of the, of each of the 20 groups of 24 children, they split them in half so that they had 12 boys and 12 girls in each group. And half of the boys got to see, or half of the kids got to see a same-sex adult model, and the other half were see an opposite-sex adult model. So the boys would, some of the boys would see a man beating up Bobo, some of them would see a woman meeting up Bobo, or if they were in the non-aggressive, they would see a man or a woman being essentially ignoring Bobo. So they, because they also, Bandura was also looking at where there are just gender differences between boys and girls with how aggressive they might be. So they did a they did quite a lot of like splitting up of the original sample size so that they could kind of really tease out these different effects and again just shows it's a little bit more rigorous than something like the Stanford prison experiment um, or the little Albert experiment where there was only one baby there was quite a not an, a huge group but there was a larger group of sample or participants and they were being separated into certain groups so that the effects of things like gender or the model could really be examined. So after the children, depending on which group they were in, had their 10-minute exposure to an adult model or 10-minute exposure of nothing, uh, each child was then taken to another room that had a bunch of toys in it, like dolls, fire engines, toy airplanes, things like that. So they were first taken to a room that did not have a Bobo doll in it, and they were just told to play for like two minutes, And then after two minutes, they were told you can no longer play with the fun toys. So the purpose of this was to start to build up some frustration in the children. So they would, they're having a good time playing with their fire engines. Then all of a sudden the researcher tells them, you're not allowed to play with those toys anymore. After that frustration situation, they were then taken to the last room, which had what they were called calling aggressive toys. So there was like a hammer, there was dart guns and the bubble doll, and then they had other, you know, not explicitly aggressive toys like crayons, trucks, animals, things like that. So in this room that had the mix of aggressive and non-aggressive toys, they are then allowed to play for 20 minutes. And the researchers watched them through a one-way mirror and kind of like coded their behavior as aggressive or non-aggressive. And that was pretty much just what the experiment was. Uh, Bandura did end up doing it uh, at least two more times with different... um, like components to it, but I'm going to talk about that under the when I talk more about social learning theory. But that, in the core of it, is the Bobo doll experiment. 
Now, if you've taken Psych 101, you probably had it taught to you as like, a children watch an adult beat the crap out of a Bobo doll and then were given an opportunity to play with the same doll. There was more steps in between, and I think that gets left out in like kind of pop psychology retellings of this experiment. There was more steps in between. The children were not, it wasn't like they saw a live model and then immediately given a Bobo doll. Um, there's some controversy around the aspect of the experiment where they intentionally frustrated the children, both from a side of like ethics of like, is that really the best idea to like intentionally frustrate a four-year-old? Um, and also from a methodology side of like, is that kind of confounding if the children are frustrated, is it, is their aggressive behavior more about being frustrated than it is about what they saw the model do? And I, I agree on that level. I don't know if lightly frustrating a child is super unethical because, um, children are lightly frustrated <laughs> very easily. Um, but I, I do understand the argument from like a methodology perspective that is the aggression more about the frustration? M maybe, uh, maybe having a just seen the model influence that they would act aggressively through their frustration. But I do think that that, that part of the experiment for me seems to be like Bandura really wanted to make sure that the, that the kids did act aggressively in some way. So it's kind of like his insurance policy of at least his kids are frustrated, <laughs> even even if they're not, they wouldn't have been aggressive after just seeing the model. But overall, the study, again, is a lot more sound than some of the contemporary experiments of the time. The experiment was done in 1961, so that puts it kind of firmly in the middle of this time of, you know, these, these kind of famous psychology experiments. It's before the Stanford Prison Experiment, so... You know, it's it's still in this time where IRBs hadn't necessarily been the protocol. There wasn't always the impetus to be as ethical as possible in research because we just hadn't instituted all of those protections yet. So in that context and with the kind of shoddy research that, that did come out of that time that I think I've demonstrated on this show, um, it, it's overall like not that bad of an experiment and has some pretty sound things built into it, particularly having like control groups and trying to tease out and control for different demographic variables. It's not a perfect experiment. You know, I don't know if that's possible to have a perfect experiment, but it, it's a lot more robust than some of the things that we have seen. So the methodological critiques of it, I think, are, you know, less so than critiques of something like Little Albert, where it's like a methodological nightmare. Um, so the bubble doll experiment, I think, can, can still hold up a little bit. Um, I don't know if all of Bender is like... Um, interpretations of the results would hold up now, but the the study itself does seem to hold up fairly well, given that it was conducted in 1961. So the results of the study were such, um, first they observed that um, the boys who had observed a non-aggressive woman model were more likely to engage in violence than the control group. So a boy in a group who observed a woman ignoring the Bobo doll was more likely to be aggressive to the Bobo doll than the boys and girls who had no adult model, um, which was interesting because you, I, I think the hypothesis was that observing a non-aggressive model would result in no aggression. Um, and the, in the control group, you would maybe expect them to see the same, if even more aggression in the control group. So the fact that the boys who saw a non-aggressive opposite sex model did more violence than the boys and girls who saw nobody was, I, th I think, a little shocking to the researchers. And I think that there is some kind of 
inherent gender stuff there where there's an assumption that like boys are going to be boys or the boys are going to be aggressive that maybe has like come out of some of these studies. Um, But I don't know if that's necessarily the truth. There does seem to be some aspect in this study that um, the children who had a adult model who was the same sex as them was they were more likely to do that behavior than when they observe an opposite sex model. So that may be at play here more more so than just that like boys are inherently more aggressive. There's something about the mismatch of if they over identified with the model or not. The next result um, was that they saw that all of the children, both boys and girls who were exposed to any of the aggressive models tended to imitate almost the exact behavior they saw even when the adult was not present. So if they observed their adult model yelling and hitting Bobo, then when it was their turn to encounter Bobo, they would yell and hit in the same way. And when they were in, when the children were in the observation room with Bobo by themselves, there, there was not an adult there. So the model was not there. So they, they found it interesting that it was like almost an exact imitation, even though it had been several, almost like half an hour since they had seen their adult model um, interacting with the Bobo doll. This result is super important for Bandura's social learning theory to show that the the power of us learning through social models, um, the fact that the children were imitating the behavior so precisely shows that the learning from the model they got was it stuck with them more so than if they had just like read about it in a book or had someone tell them about being aggressive to to Bobo. Another result was that overall they found boys across all groups were more aggressive than the girls. Um, but interestingly enough, boys, although they were more likely to be more physically aggressive, so hitting Bobo, punching, hitting him with a hammer, uh, the girls were more likely to be verbally aggressive, so yelling, shaming, screaming at Bobo. Um, this is something that has showed up across gendered studies like this, that girls tend to do more of what we call relational aggression. So although they may not get into physical fights with each other, they, they tend to do things like bullying or other types of social ostracization that we categorize as like verbal or social aggression, whereas boys are more likely to physically uh, aggress against someone else. And the last result was that boys who saw an aggressive male counterpart were in the aggression group were more likely to be aggressive toward Bobo than those who saw the opposite sex. So in the non-aggressive and the aggressive group is kind of swapped. So not boys in the non-aggressive group who saw a woman were more likely to be aggressive, but boys who were in the aggressive group and saw a man were more aggressive. I'm not quite sure what that, what that is about. Um, I do think that it does kind of fit in with this identification with the model that maybe the young boys identified more with the men. Um, so they were more likely to imitate their behavior than they were the women. Um, but however, with the in the non-aggressive group, because they're trying to maybe do the opposite of what they I, I observed or identified with, then they're doing more aggression than not. It's not super clear. And also because this is a study based on like observing behaviors, it's it's hard to tell the statistical significance of this. Like are were those boys who were more aggressive when they saw a male role model versus a female one? Um, we don't know like the statistical significance of that. Like is it is it significant outside of random chance that those boys had more aggressive behaviors than the other children or the other boys? Not sure, because they, they just were like kind of counting up the behaviors. 
so there there is a potential there that like yes number wise there were more incidents of the boys being aggressive than the girls but it may not be outside of like random chance that those numbers are different than each other or they may not be there may not be a big enough difference and um that's like research that we do in like modern times takes that into account and tends to run more statistical models to account for like is it just an error in this one study is it just like random chance that these numbers shook out the way that they did but overall the results did tend to show that children who saw a model who was aggressive did more aggressive behavior when it was their turn to be around Bobo. Now, there are a couple limitations to the study. I've mentioned a few of them, but a big one is that, and a big critique that this study gets is that violence toward a doll is not the same as violence toward a person. So it may be likely that the children were willing to hit and punch and kick a Bobo doll because it, they know it's a doll and it's not a person. Whereas if you were, we couldn't do this, but if you were to repeat the experiment where instead of beating up a Bobo doll, they were viewing an adult beating up another adult we don't know i don't think the children would then go into the room and start kicking and punching an adult right so there there is something different about a different about the children being able to recognize that the bobo doll is an inanimate object and, and not a human being the other critique is that the experiment was done in a lab which is not the most realistic environment this is the double-edged sword of lab experiments because we do want to be able to do some things in highly controlled environments so that we can kind of rule out other potential confounding variables. But at the same time, then that makes it not a very realistic environment. And so how a child might behave in this very like sterile, foreign, new environment to them is very different than how they might have behaved in like their nursery school, right? Or at home or in another environment that's a little more realistic for them. But if we were just observing them out and about, there's a lot of other confounding variables the experimenters can't control for. So it really is a, a double-edged sword. So you'll see observational studies get the critique of, oh, it's not controlled enough. And then experimental lab studies get the critique of, it's not realistic enough. So there's really no way to win. <laughs> the study also only looked at kind of the immediate effects of the model learning. Um, it's not like then Mandira followed these children through their adulthoods to see if they were aggress more aggressive for the rest of their lives. So it could have just been that the impact of that model learning was immediate and it's hard to then extrapolate from this particular study that this type of um, modeled learning lasts for a lifetime and like how how much of an impact could have be only one 10 minute observation of a model have. In reality, social learning theory, which I will get into a little bit more, in reality, it's, it's not about just like a one-time observation, but an ongoing process of observing multiple models multiple types of learning and the different types of reinforcement you get through your social environment for what you're learning. So of course the experiment can't <laughs> model that an experiment can't like replicate a lifelong process of observing and learning from social models. So yes, it's only going to be kind of this immediate effect. I do think it is interesting that it does demonstrate how quickly the model effect does take effect, 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 <laughs> that the children just saw a model and then are mirroring their behavior like pretty quickly. Um, so I, I think that is an interesting thing, but I do agree it's not the like end all be all of explaining social learning theory. Other critiques are also that the study is hard to generalize. All of the kids were from pretty much like the same race and class background. They're all at the Stanford daycare. So they're all from families that are well off enough to attend Stanford, to pay for daycare, um, 
I believe all of the children were white, but uh, don't hold me to that one. But at the very least, they're all from the same kind of class background. Um, and they're all, you know, between the ages of three and six. So it's hard to really generalize any of these results to adults as well. Um, and then, so again, some people have made this argument that maybe it was unethical to have these little kids watching an adult beat up a doll, like it could have been scary for some of the kids and there there wasn't anything in Bandura's experiment to kind of debrief or remind the children that it wasn't real. I mean, it was real. They did actually beat up the doll, but like, you know, it's a doll. It's not a person. I don't know how much weight I put into that critique because it's interesting that there's critiques of it from that angle and then also people saying, well, it's a doll, not a person. So the experiment is not great. Um, I think we're, I think there's just, people like to critique these exper experiments because they are so foundational. And although I, I do critique a lot of these experiments, I don't know if Bandura's is like the, the worst off that needs to be nitpicked this much. Um, it's also like people still do a lot around social learning theory and experiments that demonstrate it. So it's not like we're basing a whole theory off of this one experiment. Bandura also did so much more. Like, he had a very long career. I think he, he died in 2021 at, like, age 95 or something. Like, he had a very long life, a very long career. Uh, it's not all based on the Bobo <laughs> doll experiment. Like, he, he did more. So, I don't know how much... It, we can critique it a little bit, but it's also not like we need to critique it because we need to take down social learning theory. There's other stuff that backs it up. So, all of that to say, this was kind of, this this was very early on into Bandera's career as he was beginning to develop the social learning theory. And basically, his theory was that we learn by observing other people and then kind of imitating what we see them do. And the more we imitate them, if it gets reinforced, then we do it more often. If it doesn't, then we won't do it. Um, we also don't live in a vacuum, so it's not like we only observe one person at a time. We, you know, even a child growing up in a a, a nuclear family might have multiple adults to observe, right? Like parents, other caregivers, other relatives, like they're not just observing like a mother or a teacher, like there's many models that we observe. The theory of why the children beat up the Bobo doll when they see an adult do it is that by seeing an adult do something, the children then learn, oh, this is an acceptable behavior. This is a way that I'm allowed to act. This is the underlying theory of why we think children who grow up in chronically violent homes or chronically violent environments tend to be more aggressive in their adulthood. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if anyone out there is still spanking their kids, but this is why children who are spanked tend to be more aggressive in their behavior because they're getting aggression modeled to them. So it's, it's more intense than just having it modeled on, you know, an outside person and observing it, but the child is having aggression modeled to them by being spanked. And so they tend to become more aggressive into adulthood, particularly if they are spanked quite regularly. So we, we have other research that does back this up. Um, and part of it may be this social learning theory that observing violence indicates this is acceptable. This is behavior that I can then go forward and imitate. Um, Bandura did replicate the experiment where instead of having the children watch a live model, they watched a video. And in one version they just watched the video and in another version they watched the video but in the video the models were being either rewarded or punished so in the reward one the you know they'd beat up the bobo doll and then get like a snack and in the punished one they would beat up the bobo doll and somebody would come in and say like you shouldn't do that that's bad for you to do 
And they found that if they saw the video of the person getting rewarded, they were more likely to be aggressive. But if they saw the video of the person being punished, then they were less likely to be aggressive. So there is something to this, like, not just if our behavior is immediately reinforced or punished, if they observe the behavior being reinforced, that is another way to communicate, like, is this acceptable behavior or not? And Bandura wanted to do it with the video to demonstrate that it doesn't just need to be through a direct live model, but social learning can take place through indirect means like media. And this really opened up a whole branch of study around, like, what do we learn from observing media? What do we um, model what we see on TV or movies or things like that? And overall, Bandura's work was incredibly revolutionary during this time. In the 60s, the field of psychology was still being largely influenced by behaviorism, which I think I did talk about in the Little Albert episode, but kind of the crux of behaviorism is that behavior is purely based on conditioning, so positive or negative reinforcement, that there is no other complex processes, no other like internal processes of the person doing the behavior. It is just, if this got rewarded, you'll do it more. If it got punished, you'll do it less. But Bandura, through these experiments and through the rest of his work, really demonstrated that learning is a much more complex process. It's more than just get a cookie, do more, get a spanking, do less. He really showed that we have a lot of internal processes and we are observing what we see, even if the behavior is not directed toward us. He also did some work around areas of self-efficacy and how that influences behavior. This is the idea that our own belief in our ability to do something will influence our achievement. So if you don't believe that you can get an A on the test, then you probably are not going to get an A on the test. If you believe that you can get it, you're going to be more likely to get that A. Of course, it's not a one-to-one because you still have to like study and have paid attention in class and do all of those other things, but this self-efficacy can really get in the way if you don't believe that you have the skills necessary to do something. Um, And he also did a lot of research around this idea of moral disengagement, which is this idea that we kind of have to detach ourselves from our morals to justify harmful acts, kind of up and down the scale of of severity of harm, which I think kind of ties into um, the Nexium episodes, which I just talked about, where people in cults um, basically have to reinvent their moral code to be okay with what's going on in the cult. Um, So all of that to say that social learning theory really was revolutionary because it was so much more than reward behavior go up, punishment behavior go down, and acknowledge that these kind of complex internal psychological processes are so important for learning. Whereas behaviorists were so convinced that it doesn't matter what's going on inside the person, it's really all about these external forces. So Bandura was so revolutionary and really made it possible for people who were not strict behaviorists to, you know, find their their footing in the field. And so his legacy, I think, is is very important. And kind of like with the Mamie Phipps Clark and Kenneth Bancroft Clark um, episode, like some of these studies, although they are old and a little outdated, they do have such an impact on the field, not just in that they change the way that we th- think about psychology or think about the human psyche or the human condition, but they open up doors for people to come in behind them and further their work 
Um, whereas some of the experiments that the particularly bad ones like Little Albert or the Stanford Prison Experiment don't do that. They don't open doors. They don't push the field farther. You know, in the case of Little Albert, um, the researchers gave up after one try, right? Like they they stopped doing their work. Um, you know, Zimbardo did make some big shifts in his career after the Stanford Prison Experiment, but that experiment itself didn't didn't open any doors for anyone, didn't push the field any further. In fact, the criticism of it was, we already know that prison sucks. <laughs> we already know that prison makes people do things that they, they would never have done before. The environment is bad. Um, so I just say that to like contrast that some of these experiments are famous because they are so bad, like Little Albert. And some of these experiments, like the Bobo doll, are famous because while they may not be state of the art anymore, they did make a massive impact on the field. And the fact that I can sit here as a psychologist today and be able to have an understanding of social learning theory and know that it is backed up by decades of research, that's all possible because of people like Albert Bandura. So that's my little like props to the king, <laughs> props to Bandura, um, you know, rest in peace. He, he was, is sorely missed, but his legacy lives on. Um, and so I just want to say I hope that you learned something about the Bobo doll experiment. I appreciate you listening to the whole thing, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.